This message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message. 1 Kings chapter 18, and I'm going to read from verse 30 uh, to 40. 41, you already know. Then Elijah called the people, come over here. And they all crowded around him as he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. He took 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel, and used the stones to rebuild the Lord's altar. Then he dug a trench about three feet wide around the altar. So you have the altar, and then around the altar, he dug, he dug a trench, and the trench was about this wide, three feet wide. That's a very wide uh, uh, trench. Verse 33, he piled wood upon the altar and cut the young bull into pieces and laid the pieces on the wood. Fill four barrels of water, he said, and poured the water over the carcass and the wood. After they had done this, he said, do it again. And they did. Now, do it once more. And they did. And the water ran off the altar and filled the trench. At the customary time for offering, the evening sacrifice, Elijah walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, prove today that you are the God of Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you are God and that you have brought me and you have brought them back to yourself. 38, then suddenly, somebody say suddenly. suddenly. <laughs> then suddenly, fire flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, the doors, and even evaporated all the water in the ditch. Amen? The offering was wet. The wood was wet. The trench was filled with water. When fire came from heaven, it consumed everything. I pray that the fire of God will come upon your life. Everything that is contrary to scripture, everything that is contrary to Christ, the fire of God will consume in the name of Jesus. Let's continue reading. Verse 39. <laughs> and when the people saw it, they fell on their faces upon the ground shouting, Jehovah is God! Jehovah is God! Then Elijah told them to grab the prophet of Baal. Don't let a single one escape, he said to them. So they seized them all, and Elijah took them to Kishon Brook and killed them there. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. 
the word the Lord has spoken to us from this text that we read on Friday, we read verse 41 to 46 on Friday, is that there's going to be an abundance. Hallelujah. What I'd like to talk to you about today is how can I position myself to ensure that at the end of the year, when it's time for testimony, or at least by June, July, when I begin to do my reflection, one of your testimony will be one of the things I'll be reflecting on in the name of Jesus as I reflect over mine. <laughs> the title of the sermon today is GPS. GPS there is just an acronym to help you remember what was talked about. The G is for God. The P is for prayer. And the S is for service. So number one, I said the key to your abundant living this year is GPS. Number one, put God first. Put God first. Mark 8.36 said, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? You know, I've had people say stuff like, you know, you don't, you don't have to know God to be rich. That is very true. And that's the tragedy of life. Because if you have all the money in the world and then you, your soul ends up in hell, what is the value of your life? What is the value of the life that has been lived that ends, ends up in such a tragedy? But with God, you can be with God and you can still prosper. And the secret to that prosperity is what we're talking about today. So when you, the text that we have just read the first thing Elijah did before any of the miracles, the signs, and the wonders, the first thing he did, the Bible says, after gathering the people together, in 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 30, 1 Kings 18 and 30, the Bible says, then Elijah called to the people, come over here. And they all crowded around him as he repaired the altar of the Lord that has been turned down. Let me ask you a question. I, I, and, you know, I always say this. I think it's uh, my research mind and background that causes me to think that way. Why did he have to call them to come and see him repair the altar? That's a very important question you should ask. He could have fixed the altar and then called them to see what was going to happen. He called, the, he called their attention to the repair of the altar so they can learn a lesson from it. If he wouldn't have done that, we wouldn't have been reading about it today. So God, putting God first this year, what it means for you and I is we need to repair the altar of God in our lives. The question I have for everyone this morning is what is the your altar? Your altar of prayer. In the study of the word of God. That's an altar. The patriarch, Abraham, every time something significant happened in his life, he built an altar unto the Lord. The reason he built an altar is very simple. So that the altar will serve as a memorial that he never forgets what God has done. Amen? Yes. What state of your altar can I tell you something? I'm not going to ask anybody to raise hand or say anything. But 
I can guarantee you, I know this by the spirit, that the pandemic has torn down many Many altars have been replaced with toys and idols. Many altars of prayer are now filled with Netflix. <laughs> My very self got one yesterday, Apollo. <laughs> Apollo will have to pay commission for free ad. <laughs> but look at it. Many lives are now filled with all kinds of idols. Idols that are now standing in the way of your worship. Zoom is, but Zoom is getting in the way of worship. Let's just do Zoom. Why do you want to do Zoom? So that you can be listening and doing other things. You just turn off your camera, you cross your leg, you are watching Netflix, and then you are listening with the other ear. And when something happens, you say, Amen, Amen. <laughs> the only person that Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Or you say, you are, oh, the, the intercessors are praying. And then you lay on your bed. You turn the thing on. <laughs> Thank God for mute. If, they mute. if we unmute your phone, we can physically hear you snoring. <laughs> and then the, the prayer is finished. It's over one hour. Then you wake up to turn the thing off. What is the state of your altar? What is the state of your altar? The pandemic has put so much fear in people, and I say fear in quotes, because folks are still partying. Folks are still partying. The, the only fear they have, the only fear of the virus people have is to come to church. They say, ah, no, you know, yeah, we, we are doing social distancing, yeah, so I can't, call, I can't make it to church for prayer. <laughs> the first thing he did, he fixed the altar. The first thing you must do this year is you must fix your altar. You must pray to God and say, Lord, help me. Renew a right spirit within me. The current state is unacceptable. It's not going to help us. Leviticus chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. Leviticus 6, 12 and 13. Listen to this. It says, meanwhile, the fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must never go out. Each morning, the priest will add fresh wood. To the fire and arrange the burnt offering on it. He will then burn the fat of peace offerings on it. Verse 13. He says, remember, the fire must be kept burning on the altar when? At all times. It must never go out. Many altars, the fire is going out or is gone out. The fire is reduced to a smoldering fire. Because the fire has not been found in a long time, you have ashes over the wood. The fire is smoldering. My prayer is that God will fan every fire to flame again. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Friends, 
I don't want to be a rich fool. I want to be rich, but I, want to, I don't want to be a rich fool. A rich fool is the one that has neglected his relationship with his maker and is only focused on money. The first thing, first things first, the state of our altar. The altar is a place of sacrifice. Your sacrifice of gratitude, your sacrifice of praise, your sacrifice of fasting and prayer, your obedience to the Lord. Your marriage is an altar of sorts. Every strange fire upon the altar of your marriage, I put out now in the name of Jesus. Every strange voice that is speaking into your marriage, I come against right now in the name of Jesus. You will enjoy peace in your marriage. I say you will enjoy peace in your marriage. You will enjoy your marriage. You will not endure marriage in the name of Jesus. You know, (laughs) psychologists, research has shown that multitasking is a myth. This is science now. Go Google, go whatever you need to do. Go do it. Multitasking is a myth. So when you think you can be on the call for prayer and be doing other stuff, something is suffering. And guess what? It's the prayer that is suffering because you are more focused on that other thing you're doing on the side. Watch this. First Kings 18.21. This is what Elijah said to the people. And this is what I am saying to the church this morning. Then Elijah stood in front of them and said, How much longer will you waver? Hobbling between two opinions. Should I go? Should I not go? Should I serve? Should I not serve? He said, how long? How long are you going to hobble between opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If God is God, go with God. But if Baal is God, if your idols that you have gathered, if they are God, then follow your idols. The scripture says the people were completely silent. Did you notice how silent you were when I read it? It was true then. It's true now. That's the point. Very quickly, number two, prayer. So number one is what? Put God first. It's God, God, God. Put God first. You know, I said prayer, but also you can say slash praise. You know, your praise is a weapon. Oh, praise is a weapon. It's an act of battle when you praise God, when you give thanks, when you appreciate him. You are making the enemy mad. The devil loves to see you sad and morose. You are walking around like this. The whole world is on your shoulder. That's how you're walking. And guess what? People are not that spiritual to discern spiritually what's wrong with you. When they see you walking around like this, you know what they are thinking? Ah! Life has dealt with him. 
that life is dealing with her. That's all they are thinking. They are not provoked to pray. Say, oh, Father, in the name, the way he's bent over, lift up his shoulder, fulfill it. No, they don't pray. No, they, don't, they don't do that. They are not that spiritual. When they see you like that, if they sympathize, it's good. But there's hardly any empathy. Say, have you seen such and such recently? He said, no. Ah, you need to, the next time you see him, look close. You will see him. He's looking sad. He's just walking around like this. I think something is wrong with him. If you think something is wrong, how about pray? Pray for him or pray for her. Watch this. There is a reason why in the third, at the last quarter of, uh, well, the third, fourth quarter of last year, we had two, six hours of praise. Because one thing that is apparent to me as your pastor is there's a lot of apathy when it comes to the things of God. People have become indifferent, you know, I can't make it. I have other things to do. You know, because, because of the pandemic, many people are working two, three jobs. It's, everything is remote. You just have, somebody told me, is ah, Pastor, if you get to my office, I have like, I'm not exaggerating, I believe he said 12 monitors. Because it has like, I mean, all kinds of projects going on at the same time. You know, I've told you before, for me, for me, the most important thing to me is being a child of God. The title, what I do, I'm pastor, is secondary to me when it comes to being a child of God. That is why you can see me, I can be myself with you, regardless of what you think. And you say, pastor, pastor should be dignified, you just carry yourself a certain way. That is true. You have some decorum. That is true. But it is more important to me, my relationship with God, than my title as pastor. There are many that have titles. Because their relationship with God is messed up, their title does not match their relationship with God. And that is why God says in the end, he's going to say to some people, get away from me, you workers of iniquity, I know you not. Say, but we did miracles in your name. Yeah, my name, not because of you. My name, my name. It's not your, you were not the ones doing it. It's my name, in my name, in my name. Let's come back. Ecclesiastes, no, not Ecclesiastes, James, James chapter 5, 17 gives us a window into the life of Elijah. Elijah was a man of prayer. There's no what if not about it. Elijah was a man of prayer. James 5, 17, Elijah was as human as we are. If the Bible you are holding is your own, underline it. He was not special. He wasn't special. He said there would not be rain for three years and there was no rain. He's a man. He's a man. He was not half man and half angel. Amen? He said he was just a man like us. And yet, when he prayed what? Earnestly, earnestly, that rain, that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. You know, I was talking to some people the other day. 
I said, Jesus should just come back. I said, Lord, come back. Lord, come back. And then someone in the group corrected me and said, Pastor, the reason he will not come is because we Christians are not doing what we're supposed to be doing. We are not evangelizing. We are not winning souls. So those souls, Jesus is waiting, giving them an opportunity to be saved. If we want to see Jesus soon, we will win souls. When we win souls and the time is right, he will come harvest us home in the name of Jesus. 1 Kings 17.1. Somebody is thinking, ah, pastor, today is Thanksgiving. I thought you would do something. It is coming. We will dance. We will dance, but we need to be instructed. Amen? Amen. First Kings 17, verse 1. First Kings 17, verse 1. Now Elijah, who was from Tishbe in Gilead, told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord lives, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no deal or rain during the next few years until I give the word. That's a bold declaration. Bold declaration for a man, ordinary man just as you and I. That's a bold declaration. And exactly what he said came to pass. In 1 Kings 18, 42, we see an example again. Ushers, if you can please turn on the air. I think we had the heat on earlier. I see people fanning. Thank you very much. That would be good. I don't see any movement. Can somebody get the ushers to turn on the air? So, the Bible shows us that after he made the declaration that there's an abundance coming, he knelt down, put his head between his thighs, and he began to pray. This is not the kind of prayer you pray on Zoom. This is not the kind of prayer you pray on teleconference. This is not teleconference prayer. This is deep intercession. Deep intercession with groanings. Deep intercession with groanings. With groanings. With groanings. He prayed. And whilst he was praying, the clouds changed. He says the cloud became dark. And very soon, it rained. The Bible says to you and myself, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, never stop praying. Look at your neighbor. Say, never stop praying. That's what the scripture says. I'm not trying to scare anybody, but please listen close to me. A day of reckoning is coming. When no man will be able to tell stories. You know, people can mock you and laugh at you today. And say all those things that you people are saying. What are you talking about? It's not true. This, they have lied to you and you have believed the lie. That's okay. There's a day of reckoning that is coming. When the trumpet will the blast will be heard. And Jesus will appear in the sky. And then on that day, the sheaf and the shaft will be separated. I mean, the shaft and the wheat will be separated. Philippians 4, verse 6. Be careful for nothing, 
But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. What does that mean? It means, yes, the word of prophecy has come. Hallelujah. The word of prophecy has come. There's an abundance that is coming your way. Whether it happens now or it happens later, it's going to happen for you. I say it's going to happen for you. Therefore, even though things may seem like they are not lining up yet, right? It may seem like it's not, it's not working out. Begin to pray and begin to thank God for it. Say, Father, I thank you because you are not, God, you are not man that you will lie. Neither the son of man that you will repent of what you have said. What you have spoken is what you will do. What you said about me, I believe it. I believe you for that abundance. I walk in the speed of God. You begin to confess and thank God for it already. Why? Because God's credit is good. God's credit is good. The last point, service. And I'm going to go through this very quickly because of time. Service. Watch this. Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 10. Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 10. It says, whatever your hands find to do, Can we read it together? One, two, three, go. I like the way it ended it. It stated the obvious. We are all going to die. <laughs> we are all going to die. And because we are all going to die, it said nobody is having God in the grave. Whilst you are alive and you have breath, he says, serve God. And don't look for somebody to assign you what to do. He said, whatever your hand finds to do. You know, some people, they are working for the wrong person. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, the first verse, it says we are workers together with God. If the ministry you have is the ministry of criticism, you are not working for God. You just sit there. The only thing you can report is, how come the tie was off to the right? How come the light is not balanced? How come? It means God has given you something to do, but you are not doing it with all of your ability. If you can see it, you know something about it. If you are tone deaf, you won't know if when the choir is off beat. It will be worse if you are in choir and you are tone deaf. But just generally speaking, <laughs> if you are tone deaf, if something goes wrong with the singing, you cannot tell because you are not gifted in that area. If you can tell, it means God has given you certain abilities there. Instead of saying, oh, they are off key, go and do something about it. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your mind. Do it with your might. I wish every member of Salvation Center would be a worker. You know? For a number of reasons. Number one, a practical reason. If everybody were to be a worker, the burden would be lighter on the people working. Uh, Pastor Joyce and Janet and Tommy will not have to come all night to do decoration because we're going to have Christmas cantata. Imagine if we had 20, 30 people doing that. Somebody is carrying something, some, someone is hanging stuff. You know, it will go much faster. Amen? For personal reasons, 
you should serve for personal reason. God cannot owe anyone. Whatever you do for God, it will reward your service. Exodus 23.25, Exodus 23.25, says, you must serve only the Lord your God. If you do, I will bless you with food and water, and I will protect you from illness. This is the promise of God for service. Say, if you serve me, you volunteer, you join something, you are helping with something. He said, for those that serve the Lord alone, I will bless them with food and water, and I will protect them from illness. Job 36, 11. Job 36, 11. If they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity throughout their lives. Can I tell you something? Everybody, please look up. This is perspective. Perspective for you to understand. Anyone that is serving God, God will meet your need. It's a statement of fact. And it is scriptural. God will meet your need. As long as you are not living what I call oversized life. Oh, Wale has it. I must have it. You know, it's the only pastors that can be blessed. Uh, Pastor Ebuku, he has this. I must have it. You know, me too, I want what they have. That's covetousness. That's not of God. For everyone that is diligently seeking and serving God, God will meet your need according to his riches in glory. You say, I want to change my zip code. Can your pocket afford the new zip code? You have a good desire. What's the uh, dominion zip code? Don't let's get distracted. <laughs> so, huh? 259. That's a good zip code. That's a good zip code. But it will be covetousness. Uh, the next thing is, uh, I want to do. Can I afford it? God has blessed you. And where you are is going to take you to the next level. And when you get to the next level, you can then move up to the next thing. No covetousness in the house of the Lord. The last reason I believe that is important for us to serve is because God commands it. As we see in Ecclesiastes 9.10, he said, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your heart and all of your might. And then in Exodus 23, 25 that we read, he said, you must serve only the Lord your God. I love this. And I'm going to read this from the NIV translation. Malachi chapter 3, verse 18. And I will stop with this. Malachi 3, 18. Malachi 3, 18. He said, and you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked. Between those who serve and those who do not. God is saying that he himself will separate between the righteous and the wicked and he will separate between those that serve him and those that do not serve him. He's going to make a clear distinction between them. Brethren, the last weekend in January, we're having our workers retreat. Venture to do something for the Lord this year. Venture to make a difference. Whenever you come to church and you see everything set up, <laughs> can I shock you this morning? Can I shock you? 
Agents did not send them off. All the cameras, uh, you know, camera ready action. Angels did not do it. Human beings. Human beings came and did it. All the videos and stuff you do, you see, many of them, the people doing them, they learned them on the job because they saw a need and said, we need to fix this. They went to research and study and fix this and said, I will make myself available. My prayer is that this year, as we trust God for that abundance, that you will start by being abundant unto the Lord in your service. Please rise to your feet. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We encourage you to fellowship with us here at Salvation Center if you are in the San Antonio area. For more information, visit our website at www.rccgsanantonio.org.